other day you said that you were not responsible for the testing shortfall. Very simple question. Does the buck stop with you? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election. I am David Reese, recording from my quarantine room. I'm joined on the line by Starly Kine. Hi. And my friend and yours, John Kimball. Hey, guys. All right. How's everybody feeling? What room of the house is your quarantine room at the my, moment? Uh, my quarantine room is my living room. I have piles of laundry on the floor that I need to wash. Mm-hmm. I have some collage supplies out. I did a FaceTime call <laughs> with my friend Sam last night, and we did some collaging together. And... Um, I have my laptop open to predict it. Of course, I'm monitoring the markets as there's nothing else to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you have uh, not washed your clothes yet, David? I've I've washed most of I've washed most of my clothes since the cruise. Most doesn't sound like yeah. the full measure that we need in these times. Yeah, we need we need all those clothes washed and or burned. Yeah. That's what I did first thing. But uh, I still don't feel too confident. Well, if they're just sitting on the floor, won't the virus die after four days? Nine days, I think. Nine days? It can stay on services for nine days. Uh, In case you people don't know, we're talking about the coronavirus, which has been in the news (laughs) recently. As John and I realized when we returned from the Jonathan Colton cruise, which was a last blast. The last few days you were on the cruise is when it really picked up here, what was happening. When we really started to talk about quarantining, yeah, that was the day it changed for, for people living in places where they weren't having the high numbers yet. And, you know, it's the difference between a set of facts and a vibe. And now that I'm back, the vibe is, oh, this is bad. But when you yeah. disembarked from the cruise, were you like, oh, fuck, we're, we're walking into a different world? You were No, kind of- because when we disembarked from the cruise, nothing happened. <laughs> there were no health screenings. <laughs> and that's when we were like... Oh, fuck. Mm. Like, check me for something. God damn. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I was sick. I'm still sick. I don't I don't have oh. the virus, but I have just like normal cruise related head cold, you know, sinus stuff, sniffles, snot, mild headache. I don't have a fever. I don't have a dry cough. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm not sure I would have let myself off the boat. I bought a mask before I flew across the country just because. I didn't want to spread my cold on this plane and then have other people freak out that they had the virus. Yeah, um, you didn't want to just be like a sneezing, snotty mess on a plane full of terrified travelers. Yeah. Yeah, not not unless I'm watching like a sappy movie or something. But actually, Alaska Airlines, they didn't have a TV. You know, I was just still grinding away on this dumb Jack Reacher novel. Yeah. On the cruise, then most Americans were on the mainland just because they're forcing Purell on you like every 10 seconds. But as soon as we got off the ship and you're just at the Fort Lauderdale airport, smashed up against somebody while you wait to get your luggage checked. Everybody taking their shoes off, jacket off, and you're putting it in these trays with other people's shoes. Then you got to put your jacket back on. I mean, I was like, I'm, I'm sure I'm covered in it by now, but I have been pretty much by myself since then. You haven't had a single French kissing party? <laughs> no. Been the bottle? Oh my God. Spin the Purell bottle. So let's get to the EPM sure bet of the week. Yeah, let's make some money. Here we go, guys. 
I remember very distinctly being a kid. This is back when I was a young, a young dork rather than an old dork. I would come home every Sunday from Sunday school after church and watch like This Week with David Brinkley and um, whatever Louis Rukeyser's show was, Washington mm-hmm. Week in Review or something. Classic. And I have a very distinct memory in the 80s at the height of the AIDS crisis when it was finally starting to be discussed on panel shows. And mm-hmm. there was some type of financial roundtable. Um, this was before they had the um, HIV vaccine. And some, and one of the guys in the suit said, well, this might seem a little controversial, but like, what are the market opportunities here uh, in light of the AIDS crisis? And just thinking like, wow, that's... That's not what that's not what Jesus's attitude would be about this, yeah. about this play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But isn't that but isn't that also I mean, during this, like my biggest fear right now, what what I think is going to have the most far reaching effect on people is going to be the, a financial collapse. Yeah. I mean, having gone through that, I, I can't believe that this is the third time in my adult life that I am going to go through this major crash, you know, the, the 2000 dot com bust and then obviously the great recession of 2008 and here we are doing it again i, I mean i remember 1987 too but uh, i remember you know. 1987 talking about yeah. it with you during lunch break because it happened yeah. what really I think. yeah that was crazy october was- 17th i remember i still remember the cover of the durham morning herald it just was in huge block letters that just said minus 508 because that was that was the point drop it was 20 22 percent which still is the biggest point drop in history but today is the second biggest and, really? I mean, in terms, yeah, today is the second big, well, today is the biggest point drop in, at 3,000, but it's the second biggest percentage drop uh, behind 1987. Well, you, you both remember that day when you were in Well, we were running a hedge happening? fund. So obviously we were together because, <laughs> you know, we were very invested. No, we were just at lunch together. We ate lunch together every week. And John was talking about it, I think. It was an incredible month. Yeah, October of 1987, a bunch of other crazy things happened. It just seemed like a, a really exciting, scary time. I think we made t-shirts about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we recorded songs about it in our secret in our secret basement band because we recorded a lot of songs that was just John riffing on current events while the rest of us just like made up improv music. So there, there prob- there's probably a song about the stock market crash of 1987. <laughs> there probably is, yeah. Because I remember recording a song in my bedroom, solo acoustic project, about Reagan bombing Gaddafi. So there's probably a song about the stock market crash. No one will ever hear it, of course, because it was a secret band. But um, right. I could probably find it on a cassette in a storage, storage facility somewhere. So that rule still holds true for season two? Still the secret band is a secret? Yeah, secrets don't stop being secrets don't wow. stop being secrets that's not how this is not like this is a secret so the world continues to spin forward into greater and greater glory we still are supposed to have more primaries tomorrow between joe biden and bernie sanders although ohio i think is postponing their primary joe biden and bernie sanders appeared on stage um last night i couldn't i <laughs> I don't mean to be ageist. I'm not going to sit around and watch two 90-year-old men <laughs> talk about this virus. It just felt, I don't know. So you guys watched it, sir. Tell me what tell me what happened. Wait, did you watch it, John? I I listened. I couldn't watch it. In in this particular debate, watching it versus um listening to it actually is a different experience because it was so weird. 
what was being shown. You know, they were in like a little bunker. They didn't do it in front of an audience. They were they recorded inside CNN. It was just the two of their podiums. It was so windowless and airless. And yeah, they were in secret. They were in secret band mode. They were in secret band. Exactly. Just riffing on just riffing on current current events <laughs> in a windowless room. That's 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 life, man. That's the best it gets. Yeah. So who won? I felt like this was it seemed it felt like this was going to be Bernie's chance. Like I felt going into it. It was like, wow, he, he he's been given a reprieve. We had talked about last week how the only thing that could that could make Bernie have a chance is if something if, if there was a development with coronavirus and he did something about it and it could have been a game changer. And I don't think it was a game changer. I think Biden really to me, I felt Biden decisively won the debate. And, yeah. And I was watching it with I watched the debate with two. I prefer Bernie over Biden, but I was watched it with two Bernie supporters who have been Bernie supporters the entire time, like pretty ardent, hardcore Bernie supporters. And all three of us agreed that Biden won. Yeah, I think Biden won, too. I I, I don't think it was. I don't think he I, I thought Sanders did well, though. He, he he did well. He did well when it came to holding Biden accountable for things that Biden had done in the past. Like he really because there was only two of them, Biden would say something and that wasn't exactly true or was kind of like just the kind of thing you would say in a speech. And Biden and Bernie had a chance to really hold him to it and have a back and forth. But I felt with Corona, Biden did way better. And that's and it made me feel even I felt more secure listening to Biden than I did Bernie. I understood why people voted for Biden. He rose to the occasion. He was suddenly lucid. And he just Biden just seemed capable and it made Bernie seem a little um, rough around the edges to me. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think that I really think that there is an issue with branding and that the and that couching your candidacy in terms of revolution is so tricky because people associate revolutions with risk. And on the one hand, a crisis like the coronavirus or whatever you want to call it, late stage capitalism mm-hmm. the coronavirus is a is an acute crisis that yeah. to bernie's mind and to his sympathizers underscores how the system is so screwed up that these things will happen but the last thing you want in a crisis is more risk i mean the crisis yeah. is uncertainty the crisis is risk and so the idea of matching the coronavirus crisis with with a revolution to solve it, I understand why people, if Biden's message is like, man, you know, this shit wouldn't have happened if Obama was president. Like, I understand why that's comforting, right? Like a crisis can help, can help bring why revolutionary change is required, but it's in that moment of crisis that revolutionary change can feel even more daunting than it would otherwise. Does that make sense? I I mean, I I think people forgot that Biden is a, is a pretty good debater. And I think he proved that last night. I think that was kind of a knockout. I think he kind of, I think he kind of crushed last night in that sense. And that's not saying that Sanders didn't do okay. He did. But everyone had prepared us that Biden was going to fall on his face and he was going to slur his words and he was going to wander around and be lost on the stage. And none of that happened. He came to play. So when it comes to tomorrow's primaries, Unpredicted, Biden is well over ninety cents in all of the in all of the markets. This feels like a yeah, feels like a done deal. Um, 
And I guess the best we can hope for is that he will continue to adopt Warren's and Bernie's proposals. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much stock I put in that, but. And you know, the big development of yesterday was that he, um, Biden decisively said he will pick a woman as VP and Bernie waffled a little bit on it. Yep. Bernie had this great opportunity to share that headline with Biden and he just flubbed it. You know, Biden was able to own that. Yeah, because Bernie's not a great politician. But also Bernie does not believe Bernie believes in the movement and he believes in the revolution. He does not. He was telling the truth. He believe he doesn't prioritize women being in positions of power. He the way what he said was, if I can get a woman who there's progressive women out there, if I can get a woman who's, who's progressive, then yes. And that is what Bernie has always to me conveyed. Yeah, I think I'm more. But I think I'm. I'm think I'm more with Bernie than Biden. I mean, Sarah Palin was a female vice president nominee. I don't want Condoleezza Rice to be vice president. I don't want I don't want those women anywhere near the Oval Office. Do you know what I mean? If Bernie well, of is course. Just, if, if Bernie is literally going down the list of potential female high profile national level American politicians who are women, he's going to be like, I don't want to run with Kamala Harris. I don't want to run with freaking Amy Klobuchar. You know, he probably has personal animus towards Warren. I feel like they probably don't like each other that much. Why? Well, I don't think he would pick Warren. He's probably just going down the list being like, but I don't like any of these women. They're not, they're not progressive enough. I'm going to run with fucking Glenn Greenwald as my vice president or something, you know? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I agree. In pr- in th- I agree with what you're saying, but... I have to say, when when they asked Biden that, and he said it so firmly, I got a lump in my throat. Like I, I, I physically felt moved by it. He said it so firmly that it made me feel like he understands this is important. And the way Bernie answered, well, Bernie, Bernie has Klasberger syndrome. He can only see the world through the lens of class, and everything else is a secondary, is secondary to that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm sure in the long run, Bernie's policies would probably help women a lot more than whatever Biden is going to put forward. Um, I just don't think he's I don't think he I don't think he thinks in terms of symbolism. I think he's very literal and he's like he just thinks policy, think- policy, policy, policy. That will solve everything. The right kind of policy will solve everything. Mm-hmm. It will solve for racism. It will solve for sexism. It will solve. Mm-hmm. We can fix the environment. That culture and 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 symbolism is is secondary to policy. Yeah, um, I don't believe that as strongly as I did back in two thousand when I was running around voting for the likes of Ralph Nader. Um, <laughs> I do think that symbolism matters a lot more than a lot of people on the left maybe believe. On the other hand, I don't, I'm Biden fucking railroaded Anita Hill. You think this guy is a champion of women? Uh, He's a politician. He said it because he wants to, you know, like, let him pick Anita Hill as his vice president. And then I'll believe, then I'll take him seriously. You know what I mean? Like, he's also, he's also shit. He's total shit about abortion stuff. I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to be like a dummy here. I know. I, I, it's so many things swirling around in me at once because I understand all this stuff. And I agree. I'm just saying in the moment when he said it, something stirred in me. And then as soon as the debate was over and I was looking at Instagram and it was all the videos of him touching the little girl's hair, I was like, right, fuck this guy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. It's it's complicated. So Starley, let us ask you, there's a predicted market for, for who's going to be Biden's vice president pick. And we got Kamala Harris. You know, she's the market leader. Who, do you, who are you going to pick? Are you going to put your money where your mouth is and vote on one of these women to be Biden's vice president? 
Okay, well then, I'll definitely put my money in about one of these. I think he's going to pick... Hmm. I would like him to pick Stacey Abrams. I believe he is going to pick Kamala Harris. Yeah. I think. And so now it's a question of, do I bet with my heart or my mind or my wallet? Harris is leading at 32, then Klobuchar Mm -hmm. at 28. Abrams is Mm -hmm. at 14. Warren's at 10. Hillary Clinton trading at five. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's the best thing that ever happened to predict it. She, Hillary Clinton is still like on the boards to be the Democratic nominee. You know? Oh, yeah. There's yeah, a two when they ever start doing coronavirus, it'll probably be like, who will, who will find a vaccine to the coronavirus? Hillary Clinton down at the bottom at two cents, like can't get rid of her. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no. But she wouldn't be finding the vaccine. She'd be spreading it. She'd be causing it. She'd be the reason we all die. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I'm going to bet on, I think I'm going to, I have to, I'm going to bet on Stacey Abrams, but I actually do think it's going to be Kamala. All right. That's your heart bet. What about you guys? That's my heart bet. I'm staying out of this market. No, I'll get in this market, but I'm just going to bet no on everybody and try to take advantage of arbitrage when the prices get all messed up. So, you know, there'll be some, there'll be a report tomorrow that it's going to be Harris and she's going to spike. And then I'll just buy some no's against her. And then hopefully mm-hmm. I can get I can get it where I can win no matter what. David, why are you staying out of it? Because <sighs> I really like Stacey Abrams, but I don't think people are going to see her as vice presidential material because she's never mm-hmm. held national office. Yeah. And Harris, it'll probably be her, I guess. But I don't know. I'm not crazy about her. I just don't want to. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Oh, so you're betting with your heart a little bit too then. Yeah, I guess by staying out. Yeah. Do you think, is this a, is this a change of heart? Do you think this is coronavirus induced? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just taking it day by day. I'm taking everything day by day. If I still have the sniffles in a week, I'll be panicking. But for now, I'm just, I'm just, you know what? I'm just listening to my body right now. That's all I can do. And my body okay. is telling me not to get into this market. And I'm here to celebrate <laughs> my body and honor my body because my body has been through a lot in the last week. And I'm just going to keep listening. Okay. I bet on my body. <laughs> my, body's trading at, <laughs> my body is trading at 3.6 cents. I'm all in on my body. <laughs> okay. Are you, like you going to bet on anything, David? Oh, I have my, yeah, I have, a, I have my uh, David Reese hot pick of the week. It's something that John and I discussed on the cruise ship on the high seas. Hmm. Oh, John, do you know what it is? Uh, we discussed a lot on the high seas. I, I yeah, cannot remember. Some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if they had had a market on whether our friendship was going to survive, it would have been uh, some some spikes and some dips. But we got yeah, it was it. it was volatile. It was it was a volatile market there for a while. There was some snoring issues and some sleep issues and um, some Chinese foot comedy issues. Oh my god, and I forgot about that. Yeah, What's- there was an amazing. So when John and I went with our friends Mike and Aaron to China years and years ago, including Wuhan. Shout out to everyone in Wuhan. Um, we were old middle school friends, and we regressed, and we started this game called Chinese foot comedy, which is basically just trying to trip your friend or like kick the back of their foot as they're walking. So they take an extra big step. Hilarious fun on the concrete jungle of uh, 
industrial China. Um, and it was a dangerous game. And uh, John decided to play it in the dining hall on the cruise ship one night, tried to do a little Chinese foot comedy, and I blocked him. And I was actually in Jack Reacher mode because <laughs> Jack, Reacher is all, Jack Reacher is all about efficient lethality, you know, <laughs> the simplest motions. And he times everything out to the tenth of a second and the hundredth of a second so that he can kill like four dudes in one second with like two golf balls. Um, and I caught John's foot somehow and just rotated and John completely wiped out flat on his ass. Uh, and and uh, all these attendants started to freak out because they thought that it had been because of the bumpy waves and that they were looking at a lawsuit or something. So they were like, yep. are you okay? And they were like, track my eyes, track my eyes. How many fingers do you see? And I was like, guys, you can relax. This dude tried to do Chinese foot comedy with a guy who's his <laughs> attempted victim is like halfway through a Jack Reacher novel. You can't get anything past me. I'm a lethal weapon right now. So John was grouchy about that because I put him in his place. You know, he poked the dragon and the dragon, the dragon poked back. Right, John? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Did you learn your lesson? Uh, I learned my lesson. Don't play no, you Chinese didn't because the No, Don't. because the next day you tried it again. Then you didn't learn your lesson, John, because the next day you tried Chinese foot comedy again in the hallway. And I said, you really want to play this game again, John? I don't remember that. I just I just want to make sure your friendship is is intact now. Totally intact. Yeah. Okay. We're buds. Good. We're buds. There's no issues or problems or tensions or conflicts in our friendship. Unless David ends up with coronavirus. Because of that sandwich? Yeah. Because of that sandwich you ate off the floor. David yeah, ate I a sandwich off the floor. I feel did. bad about that now. I wasn't thinking. Oh. So that might be why he has coronavirus. He dropped a sandwich sand and then he was like, oh, I'll just pick it up off this cruise ship floor, mm -hmm. which I'm sure is clean, and mm -hmm. then eat it in the middle of a global pandemic. Wait, 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 where did the sandwich come from? From the cafeteria on the cruise ship. And I didn't have a knife to spread the mayonnaise that I had blopped onto the sandwich. So I was trying to spread it with using the top bun as a knife to spread this mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. And th and then I, I I dropped the sandwich and it fell on the floor and I just picked it up because I wasn't, you know, whatever. It's a floor. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I eat food off the floor all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then like two days later, John was like, dude, that was a huge error. Coronavirus is all over the floors. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you wait two days to tell him? <laughs> I don't think it was two days later. It was not in the moment. You let me eat it. You no, sat there you're and right. watched me eat you're it. You're right. It was not in the moment. Nobody said anything in the moment. It was a classic diffusion of responsibility. Nobody said anything. But they thought about it. I know they thought about it. It's a sin to waste food. It is a sin to waste food. Yeah, John, you and your Tic Tacs. Oh, I want an update oh! on that, too. Speaking, speaking, speaking of the promises of revolution that will never come to pass... Speaking of the dangers of getting too invested in the rhetoric of revolution, John, let's have an update about your revolutionary approach to uh, Purell dispensing on the go. Well, I don't know where the Tic Tac box is, but I'm sure I have it and I, I will use it. I'll still use it because I don't think I can get the, uh, the little miniature hand sanitizer things anymore. When you say still, does that mean you've used it, you've used it before or no, you have yet no. to use it? That's no, I didn't have to use I, I never had to use it on the cruise because there was hand sanitizer everywhere. I mean, it was like 
dripping from the ceiling practically. You know, once I got to the Fort Lauderdale airport, I was wishing that I had already dumped those Tic Tacs and filled it up because I needed it at that point. Wait, wait, wait. It never even got built? You never constructed it? He didn't do shit. He's all talk. He's all talk about this Tic Tac box. I knew it. I knew it from when he first bought it at Walgreens the night before we left. He was like, this is going to be a game changer. This is the perfect size for hand sanitizer. I'm going to empty out all these Tic Tacs, and then I'm going to have hand sanitizer wherever I went. And then what happened? He got on the cruise ship where there was already a lot of hand sanitizer, and then one thing led to another. He got obsessed just because I ate one sandwich off the floor. wasn't even <laughs> touching the floor for two seconds. As soon as it hit the floor, I picked it up. And then he got all distracted by that, trying to trip me in the hallways with Chinese foot comedy <laughs> landing flat on his ass. He suffered <laughs> setback after setback, defeat after defeat. <laughs> And then all My, of a sudden, the glorious promise of this new Tic Tac hack that he was probably going to try to license <laughs> to Gizmodo or something and try to make money off it, <laughs> that failed too. And that Tic Tac box is probably still filled with Tic Tacs. My mouth is agape. I am a practical, hands-on person who, who works with their available systems and experts to get the job done. John is a revolutionary dreamer, pie in the sky. Doesn't matter how much it costs. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much waste goes into it. We're going to put Purell on all these Tic Tac boxes and give it to everyone in the whole country. And that's going to solve coronavirus. This dude has no fucking idea what he's talking about when it comes to, when it comes to these issues. We don't want a revolution. We want, we want a return to the status quo. The status quo fucking rules. David Reese, 2020. More same than ever before. More sameness than you ever thought possible. It wasn't like he was trying to fill a lunchbox with Purell. It's a fucking Tic Tac. It's the smallest box in the universe. You can't get a box smaller than a Tic Tac box. But what I'm, I'm still, st I can't believe it wasn't even attempted. John, you got to try it. You got to try it. I would say, let's do this, John. Let's do this. Let, let's be savvy about this. Let's leverage this. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. You can support us. And at some point for our Patreons, We'll, well, John will make a video of him transferring Purell into a Tic Tac box. This could either be the revolutionary game changer that brings this Christ, <laughs> that brings this coronavirus to its knees, or we could learn it could be a good feasibility project and we'll realize that this does not scale, that it simply does not make sense to fill a Tic Tac box with Purell for ease of use when you're out on the streets. Do you agree to do that, John? Make a video of yeah. you making your Tic Tac box Purell dispenser? Sure thing. So I'm not betting anything on Florida, Illinois, Arizona, or the perhaps delayed Ohio when it comes to tomorrow's election. I feel like, I feel like it's a done deal. This is Biden's. Which brings me to my, my pick of the week. This is a David Reese exclusive, must credit Kid Midas, the original wave rider, the wisest man on the markets. Bernie, will Bernie Sanders drop out by March 20th? John, what do you think I picked? Yes or no? I have no idea, but this, this is my bet too. This <gasps> is my shirt. Are you serious? Yeah. So here's the market, y'all. Will Bernie Sanders drop out by March 20th? Mm -hmm. Yes is currently trading at 26. No is currently trading at 75. I bought no. I do not Ooh. think Bernie Sanders will drop out by March 20th. And I bought yes. Yes! So we, you we idiot! Just 
You're gonna I'm lose the Tic Tac War. You're gonna lose the Chinese Foot Comedy War, and you're gonna lose the Bernie Sanders <laughs> dropping out war. I'm about to have a trifecta down. all up in your ass, John. I'm so stoked right now. You really think he's gonna drop out by March 20th? It's too cheap to to avoid at this point. That's four days away. There's no way he's going to drop out. It's like what Starley said. The coronavirus is so disruptive. He's thinking like, I still got. But do you know how long four days is in the new coronavirus world that we're living in? In four days, so much is going to happen. There's going to be so much pressure for him to drop out. Why? Pressure from who? He's going to get crushed on Tuesday. He's going to get killed everywhere. It doesn't matter. All his advisors are going to say this coronavirus is a once in a generation opportunity to show how how democratic socialism can solve not only the, the problems of the immediate moment, but, you know, the entire systems that undergird all these dysfunctional ways, you know? Yep. And that's what all the, the, the Bernie people believe, oh. too. And that's why he's trading such such a high number right now that he won't drop out. But he will. This is. This is interesting because I had I had bet that he was going to drop out. And now I think I'm going to change that. Yes, he's not going to drop out. Everybody is thinking exactly what you guys are thinking, which is why he that what you're betting on is so expensive right now. You need to buy low and sell high. I feel like Bernie is probably like. If nothing insane happens, he's not going to win the nomination. But the coronavirus, coronavirus is such a like. What happens if Biden gets the fucking coronavirus? Like, mm. why drop? You know, like this is such an extreme situation. Like, why not just stay in? Even if I don't know. I mean, if his debate performance was a little lackluster, or if he seemed raz- frazzled or something, it's probably because he knows, like, absent something truly crazy happening, like Biden is going to win the nomination. But it's crazy right now. Like, it's really crazy. Yeah, which is why he should be dropping out. Well, maybe he should be dropping out, but will he drop out? Yeah, he will. Well, we'll see. We just have to wait and see. Do you know what it reminds me of? 2008, when people were telling Hillary to drop out, and she gave some statement or some interview where she said, I can't remember if she literally said this or if this was the inference. That people like yeah. me made, where she was basically, you know, what I'm, do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. Where she was what? basically like, well, anything could happen. Like, oh, you know, the candidate Obama might get assassinated, and then I could still win. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think she said it in those words, but for people like me who were all in on Obama and were really hating Hillary, it was just like that is so sick and dark to think that way. And I'm not saying yeah. that's what Bernie's calculation is. Should he decide to stay in the race? But I think it's the same spirit, which is like, who knows what could happen? Things are really crazy. This is unprecedented, you know? Yep. I mean, I mean, they could they could each already have it, and that could be driving their thinking too. They could just not be thinking <gasps> clearly because they're sick. Oh my God, that would be so romantic if they each had it and they had only each confided in the other and they had this shared secret oh. that was making you know what I mean? They hadn't even told their spouses or their children or anybody on their staff. And maybe when they maybe when they met backstage before the debate and they looked into each other's eyes and then they had this silent nod where they were both like, I have it and I, and I know you have it, too. We don't know if it's the coronavirus <laughs> or the passion for leadership that this country desperately needs. But I have a fever and you have a fever. But that probably didn't happen. 
It would have been amazing if they had come out on stage and started the debate with a huge French kiss. That would have shocked people. Well, I'm sorry that you guys are going to lose money on this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, the joke's on you because Kid Midas is officially done with losing money. I will never lose money again as long as I'm in this game. I'm the master of this game. I'm back from my cruise. I have a head cold, but I've never felt stronger and more confident about my decision-making and my beautiful body. I'm celebrating my body, and I'm honoring my mind by making the hottest bets online. Predicted.org. Kid Midas, the wave rider, the golden touch, wet with the sea, back and ready for action in 2020 more than ever. This is personal, John. So from now on, if you want to make money with the election profit makers, ignore John Kimball and follow Kid Midas, a.k.a. David Reese, the body celebrator, the mind liberator, the money maker, the wallet record, David Reese. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. You can follow us on Twitter and send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. That's right. We are going to start answering listener questions very soon. We weren't able to do it this week because things are all higgledy-piggledy with the coronavirus. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. 